Welcome back to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks, everyone. I am your host, Maddie Pollock. Shannon is not here with me today. She is traveling and gallivanting in Europe. I'm very jealous of her. Um, But that's okay. It's just me. Hope everyone's having a lovely start to the summer. Uh, It's been sunny here, finally, in Los Angeles for the last week, and it's starting to really feel like summer. It's so exciting. The 4th of July is coming this weekend, and yeah, everything is great. Um, kind of wish I was in Europe with Shannon, but that's okay. It's all good. Uh, just, you know, settling into my new apartment in Venice, rearranging things continuously, getting new furniture, all the things, but it's been really, really fun. Uh, my new kitten, I'm looking at her right now, and she's just the absolute best. Kenny, the kitten. She's so cute, and she's so big now. It's really crazy. She's like doubled in size. It's truly wild. Um, Really cool. I hope you all listened to the last couple of episodes with Aiden and Chanel of Do Cancer. Uh, I'm meeting them in person tomorrow. I'm doing like a photo shoot slash video shoot with them for their fundraiser that's coming up in September. Um, And I'm really, really excited about that. It's going to be so cool. Again, I highly recommend checking out their website if you haven't already docancer.org, an incredible nonprofit organization. They pay for holistic health services for cancer patients and survivors. And go listen to the last two episodes if you haven't already. Chanel and Aiden are incredible. Um, so really excited about that and to meet them in person tomorrow. The next round of Mindfully Thrive After Cancer, my eight-week group program is starting in a couple of weeks. Um, and I know I keep saying it, but just a reminder, that one is full. So if you do have any interest in joining, I'm happy to create a second one at the same time if there's demand. And my um, Instagram, as a reminder, is Maddie Pollock underscore health. Maddie, M-A-D-D-Y, Pollock, P-O-L-L-A-C-K underscore health. So um, you can reach me there. You can obviously DM me on the Cancer Actually Sucks Pod Instagram as well if you're interested in joining um, the eight-week group program. It's really focused on nutrition, mindfulness, and habit development after cancer. And the group is just always like so cool, so special, and really, really positive and supportive. And you know, everyone just gets it. If you haven't had cancer, then you don't get it. You're not part of the cancer crew and it is what it is, but we're lucky in a weird way to be part of this community. I know I am very um, grateful to be a part of this amazing, truly supportive community. Um, And today is another person that's part of this beautiful cancer community, um, Tori. Tori McGee, she is truly amazing. I'm so excited for you all to hear. Uh, Tori is a stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor. Um, She also is a stem cell transplant survivor. She had her stem cell transplant last March. um, And she is incredible. She's currently in remission. Um, She also was diagnosed with Guillain-Barr syndrome or GBS, which is an autoimmune disease. And it's it's pretty wild, everything she's experienced and how positive and amazing and just like full of joy she is throughout this whole podcast episode. Like she just radiates joy and positivity in like the best way possible. And we talk about all of that and how she does it in the midst of pain and going through lots of hardships. Um, 
she had her baby in between um, her Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnoses. She did have a relapse after the first round of treatment. And so, you know, she's been through a lot, but she's incredible. And I can't wait for you to hear her story. Welcome to Cancer Actually It Fucking Sucks, Tori. Hello. Hello, hello, family. Thank you for having me. So happy. We're so happy to have you. And Shan, do you want to explain how you connected with Tori? Because I know, I think you guys shot it yeah, before. Just good old Instagram. Instagram. We love Instagram. For you. Yeah. Absolutely. Split in the DMs. Exactly. Split in the DMs. We love that. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Tori, I mean, we obviously had such a wonderful conversation already, but we'd love to just hear from you, like your story and just where you're at now and how you got here. Yeah, totally. So hello, everyone. Um, Tori McGee. I am 35 years old. I currently reside in Atlanta, Georgia, by way of Jersey City, New Jersey, mm-hmm. by way of Los Angeles. <laughs> all the stops. Um, all the stops. All the stops. All the stops. <laughs> and um, I live in Atlanta with my partner and my one and a half year old son. His name is Brixton, Aww. and we call him Aww. Brix for short. Mm-hmm. It's such a such cute, a cute name. name. Yeah. <laughs> Brixton and Brick, that's so cute. I love Aww, it. What a cutie. And um, I am a two-time blood cancer survivor, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm -hmm. Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I like to say I'm a current GBS warrior. And Mm -hmm. I know we'll talk about it a little bit later, but GBS stands for Guillain-Barre syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm just really, really happy to be here. Yeah. So happy to have you. And I'm, because I have, I've never heard of GBS, so I'm really curious to hear all about Mm -hmm. that. But yeah, if you want to maybe start from the beginning, like when you were first diagnosed and kind of what the symptoms were and how you found out, what was that story? Sure, sure. So in 2019, I just celebrated my 32nd birthday Mm -hmm. and um, I started to get this really dry cough. It was just a pesky, pesky cough. It didn't go Mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. And um, my family and friends were they kept saying, you need to get that looked at. And I'm not the type of person that gets sick very often. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I brushed it off for a couple of weeks until it got to the point where it was disruptive in the work environment. Mm-hmm. I was, um, I work in sales and marketing at um, a large consumer goods company and mm-hmm. I'd be on conference calls and I'm like coughing my way through, um, through meetings. And so right. I went to a, a clinic. I didn't even go to my primary care doctor for a minute. I just went to a clinic and they, they did, um, you know, a quick check and they said, OK, it just sounds like it sounds like everything is clear. Maybe you have a little bit of a virus. It'll take a couple of weeks for things to clear up mm-hmm. um, and uh, sent me on my way. Mm-hmm. And a couple of weeks came and went. The cough got worse. But in addition to that, I had all these other B symptoms. My skin was really, really dry, really, really mm. itchy. Um, I was telling my sister, I'm like, I think I need to go to a dermatologist. My skin was like flaky and mm. itchy and I felt like little bugs. It, it sounds gross. Like bugs were crawling all over my body, essentially. Yeah. Um, and and then I started having night sweats. I'd wake up in the middle of the night just drenched in sweat. You know, there were some mornings when I would get up to get ready for work. I was so exhausted that I would get in the shower get out the shower and then lay back in the bed, just mm, throw my yeah. blanket on me and like sleep for another 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't putting all the pieces together. And right. then some something told me 
to get on the scale because a lot of my friends and coworkers were saying, oh, girl, you just lost so much weight. You've been um, working out. Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And um, and I was going, no, I had just started a new role that was really, really high, um, like fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those highly visible roles where I was, mm. you know, in front of senior management regularly. I was traveling a lot, mm-hmm. doing customer meetings and presentations. And I just chalked it up to, you know, not really eating well, yeah. I'm not on a really mm-hmm. good schedule. And I just kind of, I, I feel like I just dismissed my well-being in terms of just taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I stepped on the scale and I lost 30 pounds mm-hmm. gradually. Yeah, now wow. I'm, I'm 5'10 mm. and I have, you know, generally had always been deemed to be more of a athletic type of uh, build mm-hmm. and, you know, always an athlete. So I, I held a lot of my weight in my, in my muscles. Mm-hmm. So I started to feel, you know, a little squishier, you know, wasn't really fill it, filling out my clothes as well. But, um, but when mm-hmm. I saw that, I said, okay, I need to go to my doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to my primary care doctor and he ultimately said, okay, well, I do see a little thyroid fullness in my, in my neck, mm-hmm. which is uh, now we know, you know, my lymph nodes were swollen, but right. he said, let's, let's see what's going on with your, with your chest. Let's get you a chest x-ray same day. Mm-hmm. So I go, I do the chest x-ray. I'm going home. I get a phone call mm-hmm. and he says, there's a mass in your, there's a mass in your chest mm-hmm. and we need to, um, get you to get a biopsy done as soon as possible. Mm. And the weird part about that was even when he told me there was a mass and biopsy, I didn't even piece, cancer wasn't even in my vocabulary. I didn't even think that that would be something that would be a part of my lived experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And so I was talking to my mom and I'm like, yeah, they said that there's a there's a mass and that you're, you know, we're going to get a biopsy and she knew what that meant mm-hmm. ultimately, but I just, I just somehow it didn't connect. So fast yeah. forward and I, um, you know, they, they do further testings, the CT scans, the PET scans, the biopsy, mm-hmm. and they um, staged me at stage four mm. Hodgkin's lymphoma. Right. And, and yeah, was it in multiple places? Was that why it was stage four? Okay. Yeah, it was yeah in the upper and lower diaphragm and just very spotty. Now the tumor in my chest was about thirteen centimeters, wow. and so it lit up like a light bulb. Mm-hmm, and when right. I saw that image, it was it was so scary because it was so close to my heart, the way that the imagery came back. And I was like, wait, what's that? They're like, well, this is your heart. And right next to it is that, that thing that's lit up like a light bulb. That's yeah. the tumor. Yeah. And wow. so, um, it was, uh, it was just very jarring. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was really, really jarring. And, um, so say this was August of 2019 and mm-hmm. I started treatment in October of 2019. And the reason for that lag was because I, you know, I was in my early thirties. I didn't have any children and I really wanted Mm. to start that process to freeze my eggs Mm. to protect fertility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I started that process. Um, you know, they moved really, really fast. And, and I was on day five of the hormone injections Mm -hmm. and the doctor calls me and he says, we have to stop. Mm. 
my team, the anesthesiologists, everyone involved, they don't feel like it's safe for you to undergo this procedure. Oh, wow. Our concern is that your tumor is too large and that if something were to happen to you, um, we don't feel as though we'd be able to resuscitate you mm. and oh my gosh, be able to incubate. Wow. Yeah, they they didn't feel like they'd be able to intubate me because they said that the 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 air my airway was so constricted, the tumor was pressing against my chest wow. mm-hmm. that the it, it was the size of a a pin top is what was left in allowing me to like breathe in and out. Now wow. I didn't know this. Wow. Yeah. And, but he was just like, we're, we're not oh my comfortable. Gosh, that's scary. Yeah. So we, we stopped the whole process and we started treatment. Mm. We started treatment okay. right away. Were you experiencing shortness of breath and having a hard time breathing? Yeah, I was. It was so interesting because I have something called SVT where I would suffer from um, uh, heart palpitations ever since Mm. I was 18. It's some sort of Mm. short circuit Mm -hmm. that I have. And so um, every now and then I would have a racing heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what I found was happening more frequently is that I would walk up the three flights of stairs to go to my desk Mm -hmm. at work and I would be so winded so Mm. out of breath and my heart rate would spike Mm. right again because I had a history of SVT I just kind of chalked it up to right yeah it's SVT and it was another B symptom Mm -hmm. that I just dismissed and I hadn't put all the pieces of the puzzle together um now in retrospect I know that that was because you know I had that tumor sitting right there on my chest and it was constricting my ability to breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't think about like, and I similarly had a big mass in my chest and had all these random things and same. they don't seem connected or they don't, we just don't learn that like our mm-hmm. body is actually all yeah. connected and everything works together. Yeah. Um, and when you were speaking, Tori, also, because we've had, Shannon and I, the last few interviews we've had have been with women in like big you know, careers like you, stressful lives and all the things. And like, it's so interesting that we're taught or we learn maybe that like, it's normal to not feel great. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of why we like, just like put everything to the side, right? Because we aren't taught to like prioritize ourselves Mm -hmm. and this is how you're supposed to feel. And like, so it's just that really like stuck out when you were, when you were speaking, it's just such a common theme mm-hmm. that yeah. we always, I feel like talk about. So it's so unfortunate. You, you're kind of conditioned to just grind through it, just yeah. grind through it. Right. You'll be okay. And it's one of those things where y- your body will tell you, mm-hmm. your body's mm-hmm. screaming at you. Something yeah. is mm-hmm. not right. So yeah. for you guys listening, like l- Listen to your body. Mm-hmm, Listen mm-hmm. to your body. And I, I was listening to your, your one of your interviews, and um, I think it might have been Jessica, your your last interview. Mm-hmm. And it's like you are in a place where you're kind of go go go, but you don't necessarily even consider that that could be an option. That something could be so so mm-hmm. wrong in your body. And you're just going through the motions and you're not necessarily pushing the right people to get you the right answers. Mm -hmm. Now, I was very, very uh, fortunate that I had a primary doctor who I've been going to for several years and um, he's an African-American doctor. And he 
he really asked the right questions and pushed me and mm-hmm. ordered, scheduled the right test. Yeah, but that's amazing. A lot of the people that I've been connecting with and even some of your guests, you know, they had to go and get two, three, four mm-hmm. different opinions. And, you know, you're losing precious time and your condition right. could have worsened during that period. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And even just knowing that we have the ability to stop. Because I think so much of it is like it's go, go, go. And we feel like we can't stop because we feel like the world will end if we get out of our routine or our busyness. And I feel like I know with myself and a lot of people, it's like cancer was that like slap in the face that it's like you can stop and you need to stop sometimes. Yeah. And it doesn't need to take such a huge drastic thing like that. Like we can find these breaks in our lives regardless. And guess what? the work will get done without you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like it'll get done. Mm-hmm. You need to prioritize your health. And I think we've all learned that the the yeah. hard way is like, we feel like we can't stop. Life goes on for yeah. everyone, yeah. <laughs> including yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how much time was it between your initial symptoms and your diagnosis? Yeah. So my, it was quick. I would say it was June, July. So I would say mm, eight months between the initial symptoms and official diagnosis and then eight months, eight weeks (laughs) and another Mm -hmm. eight weeks before I started um, treatment. So Mm -hmm. we started treatment in October. I went through a regimen called ABVD Mm -hmm. and um, I did that for about 12 rounds. And Mm -hmm. in January of 2020, um, I was considered to be, you know, in remission. I had finished treatment. My scans came back, um, you know, indicating that mm-hmm. the activity was no longer present and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was good to go. So I mm-hmm. resumed my normal life, uh, meaning I went back to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say I went back to work around the summertime. I would say a okay. couple months, maybe June, July of 2020. Mm. And um, I felt great. I felt mm-hmm. great. I was going in for my close to my annual scan. It was about October of 2020. My scans came back a little funky. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, I wasn't symptomatic, but there was yeah. activity on the on the pet. Okay. And so my primary oncologist said, hey, we want to refer you out to a different team so mm-hmm. that they can take a look at what's going on and um, maybe start discussing second lines of treatment. Mm-hmm. So I'm in his office. I'm crying. I'm like, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. I thought I was in remission. What's happening? It hasn't even been a year. Mm-hmm. But no symptoms, and too. Are like, no symptoms. I felt great. Yeah. Right. I was just back to living my best life. And, um, and so when I went to the second team, they weren't really sure. They took my case to the tumor board um, where they have a series of specialists um, mm-hmm. put up, you know, take a look at all of my paperwork, my blood work, my history, mm-hmm. and um, to make a determining factor because otherwise they, they would have had to have done a really invasive um, procedure mm-hmm. to, to, to do my biopsy based on where the, the pet was lighting up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they said, you know what? It's been less than a year. 
we do see scenarios where there's still inflammation in the body and they sometimes can trick the PET scan. Mm -hmm. And let's just do a wait and see approach. And if you start to feel differently and you start to present these symptoms, then let's, let's go in and let's do a more formal biopsy. Mm -hmm. And I was okay with that decision at at that point in time. And I'm still okay with that decision. Mm -hmm. Um, Shortly after that, I found out I was pregnant um, a month month after. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. How was that like emotionally? Oh my gosh. I was a wreck because. Yeah, that's so like, it's like so exciting, but also I'm sure was scary. Yeah. So scary because the doctors were saying, you know, if it is, they were nervous because they were like, if it is, you know, a relapse, there's not a really good second line of treatment where your fetus will be protected or your baby will be protected. Mm. And, and now they're talking about potential termination. Right. Um, and I said, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to, to do that. I'm going to do a wait and see. And so, um, so I delivered a healthy, beautiful baby boy nine months later. That's amazing. Wow. Oh my gosh. And, uh, but it was, it was very emotional because the whole time in the back of my head, I was thinking, man, like what happens if it is a relapse? But I tried to really suppress those emotions and just try Mm -hmm. to enjoy my pregnancy as much as I could. Mm -hmm. Um, Because at that point I was, you know, I'm trusting the team and I'm like, let's, let's just, Mm -hmm. just live live my life. There's nothing that'll come of me obsessing over this every day. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. He was born in July. And then I would say about 10 weeks postpartum, Mm -hmm. I felt an enlarged lymph node in my neck. Mm -hmm. And I went to my parents and I said, I think that the cancer has returned. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, find a new team out here because I had relocated from New Jersey to Atlanta to mm-hmm. be near my parents. Um, I'm going to find a new team and, and um, figure it out and, and start discussing what the next steps are. And my yeah. intuition has never led me wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, yeah. was a, it was a relapse, Hodgkin's yeah. lymphoma. And, um, and so right away we started talking about second line of treatment and what that would look like. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. I mean... Brixton's a little miracle. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he clearly came at like the. I mean, maybe not perfect. I don't know, but like such like the best time that you could have him, and he's healthy, and like that's just mm-hmm. such a blessing. Like that's so amazing. How when while you were pregnant, did you change or shift your lifestyle at all? Like, how kind of was that? Mm-hmm. You know, when I was pregnant, I didn't shift my lifestyle. I, you know, there was so much going on because I moved from, you know, I was moving from state to state. I was trying right. to, uh, me and my partner, we were, we were long distance dating and we yeah. had to pack up together and then coming down here, finding like a new OB team mm-hmm. and right. you know trying to settle into my apartment. And, you know, it actually, I probably should have chilled a little bit more than I did. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe it distracted you. Healthy baby. Yeah, that, could be it. that could be it. I was working still. I was, you know, I was just um, really enjoying my pregnancy in the midst of the, the chaos that was going yeah. on. Um, and, you know, the doctors did say, okay, well, the next line of treatment will be to undergo an autologous stem cell transplant. Mm-hmm. 
And I said, wait, what was that? <laughs> yeah. That's what I was just thinking. Tell me more. Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> I don't know that first word. Right. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what do you transplant? It just all sounds scary. Yeah. yeah. So essentially they, um, they take out your, um, they hook you up to a machine. Mm-hmm. They, um, they, they take out some of your stem cells and, um, and they start, you on um, high dose chemotherapy mm-hmm. to pretty much wipe you out completely. They wipe your right. system out, the good and the bad stuff, unfortunately, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, seven days of just intense, intense uh, treatment. They put the stem cells back in your body, and mm-hmm. the stem cells is essentially, they call it your birthday. Essentially, right. they call they come in. They're like, "Oh, happy birthday! It's stem cell transplant day." Oh, <laughs> uh, well, they put the stem cells back in, and stem cells can morph into white blood cells, red blood cells. It like pretty much rebuild your system. Mm-hmm. You're starting over with a blank slate. Wow! And um, and so it is essentially just a reboost to your immune system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're in. Yes, yeah, so crazy. Like what? I can't even like picture do you know what I mean like it's hard for me to like visualize that yeah (laughs) I know it's it's so what do cells look like you know (laughs) I know I know and when they take out your stem cells it literally looks like um it kind of just looks like they're just taking blood from you and then they whip it around in this machine and they separate the plasma from the you know Mm -hmm. the science behind it and then they 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 put the the stem cells back in into your system Um, but you're in isolation for weeks. Mm. Um, I was in a bone marrow stem cell transplant ward, Mm -hmm. um, at Emory Winship Cancer Institute. So I was there for about three weeks Mm -hmm. and you could have like one visitor at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, you got to think that everyone there is extremely, extremely, um, immune deficient. So everyone, everyone is essentially, going through a similar process where your immune system is shot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're, I didn't leave the ward for three weeks. I'm doing laps literally around the ward, the, the ward yeah. to get my exercise. Right. Um, you're not really, it was very isolating. It's very lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just felt really, I had a lot of mom guilt, mm-hmm. although at the time he's seven or eight months, but you know, I'm a new mom yeah, but, I'm newborn, yeah. and I'm away from my baby for, mm-hmm. for three weeks. And, um, thank God for technology. We're FaceTiming, but there's days where you just don't feel good and you don't yeah. want to talk to anyone. There were days where I didn't even want my family, like anyone to come visit me because yeah. I just felt horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, the symptoms, of the autologous stem cell transplant are similar to that of, you know, the, the first line of treatment, but it's exacerbated because everything is happening so fast and the dose is the chemo dose is high. Um, so the one thing that was different was I got these really, really bad like ulcers in my mouth Mm. Uh, and you couldn't really eat. You can't, you know, you're trying to drink smoothies and you know, you can't taste anything and your mouth is like, bloodshot red it was horrible mm-hmm. oh my you know, god that sounds the, horrible you know you've got the diarrhea you've got the nausea vomiting you've got you mm-hmm. know your hair starts coming out quicker again because everything is much more intensive right um, oh that's so tough to go through all that 
by yourself too. Like, oh, oh my gosh, you can't. Like, I've made, you know, like my mom sit with me. <laughs> like, if I didn't feel good, like just being by yourself, you don't feel good is like so horrible. It was horrible. It really was. And I thought that I was mentally strong enough going in. But you don't know what you don't know. So you don't really know how to prepare mentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And I clung a lot to my faith. And, you know, I clung mm-hmm. a lot to my family and my friends. And um, and I remember walking and doing laps and paces around the ward and just saying some of my favorite scriptures. And just, you know, my um, had a couple friends send me some scriptures. And I, and mm-hmm. I was weeping all the time and you know it was really it was probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to endure and so um you know I you know three weeks later I was walking back into my apartment with my family Mm -hmm. and um it takes about two months before you know even after you get home you're starting Mm -hmm. the recovery process Mm -hmm. from the stem cell transplant right right um and trying to be as safe as possible in terms of, you know, staying away from crowded spaces mm-hmm. and making sure that you are protecting yourself. And it's, you know, I think it was during the time of like the Omicron wave mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. COVID. Um, and so doing that during the time of COVID was even scarier yeah. because, yeah. You're already, you know, your immune system is suppressed so much. So, um you know, got through that. And I would say within a matter of, I would say six months before I felt like I was hitting my stride again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's when um, GBS started to to hit me. And I'll right. talk to your audience a little bit about that. Yeah, so, please. Yeah. So um, because your system is so wiped out from the treatment, you have to get revaccinated. You're almost like mm-hmm. a baby. Yeah. I've made jokes because right. I was like, my son is way more vaccinated than yeah. I am, right? <laughs> like you've got to get your hepatitis shots right. and your meningitis and you know, all these, you know, all these uh vaccinations. So I was um getting uh, I was in my second round of getting revaccinated for my childhood vaccinations. And I started to feel a tingling in the top of my fingertips. Mm. This is around September. So I had the stem cell transplant March mm-hmm. 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and then six months, you know, several months later, um, I start to get that tingling in my fingertips after I got those vaccines. Mm-hmm. And um, I called my oncologist and I said, you know, hey, I've got this this tingling sensation in my fingertips. And, you know, we went in, I went in for an appointment and they initially just thought that it was neuropathy. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. for those of you who are familiar, neuropathy is pretty much damage to your nerves endings from treatment, mm-hmm. from the chemotherapy. Um, and I've had neuropathy before in my feet. And, oh. and I'm going, this doesn't feel like that in my in my head. But I'm going, yeah. okay. So there's the tingling in the fingertips. And then one day, I was bringing my son home from the daycare and I could not, there's three flights of stairs to, to get to my apartment. I could barely get up the stairs. Oh, wow. And I'm going, man, I'm really out of shape. What's going on? I don't know what's going on. It was like, I'm dragging each leg up the mm. stairs. 
And I tell my partner when he gets home, I'm like, I had a really hard time getting up the stairs. And, um, you know, we didn't really, again, I didn't go to the ER right then, but um, the next couple of days, it was the same thing. I could barely go down. I could barely get up. Hmm. And I send a message in the portal to my doctor and I said, hey, I'm having a t- hard time getting up and down the stairs. Yeah. At Now my my left arm has gone numb. Oh, wow. And it's getting harder for me to type. Mm. And I'm going, my arm is numb, my hands are tight, and they go, you need to go to the ER right away. Mm. I go to the ER, I'm like, okay, I'm like freaking, I'm like, I go to the ER, and they are, I'm there for two days before they essentially say it could be one of two things. It could be either a severe case of neuropathy, which we have seen these instances where you know, the neuropathy is so bad and it makes it difficult for people to walk mm-hmm. or something called Guillain-Barre syndrome. Mm. And when they said that, it just sounds scary. And yeah. I'm like freaking out. The neurologist um, was was there. And by that time we had done spinal taps and MRIs mm. and CTs and everything came back clear. Mm. And said, um, you're presenting clinically as if you have GBS. And the way that GPS works is that it's an autoimmune disorder that typically kicks in after some sort of viral infection. Mm. Ding, 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 right? In my head. Right. And um, there's something on the end of your nerve endings that must have looked like the virus that was in your system. Mm-hmm. And your body attacked your nerve endings. It, uh-huh. it's, it's trying to protect you from the, the virus that's in your body, but it's also right. attacking your nerve endings. Right. And um, it can cause paralysis. Mm. In severe cases, people do become paralyzed. The good news is that 99% of people recover from this prognosis, okay. right? The bad news is that it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. It could take up to a year. It could take up up until two years, depending on how your body responds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in my case, it wasn't full blown paralysis. Mm-hmm. However, by the time I like left the hospital, so they give you they give you a, um, a five day regimen called IVIG. That's the name of the, the treatment plan, mm-hmm. which okay. is what they give to you if they were treating you for neuropathy or for GBS. Mm-hmm. So it's it, what it is. That's the treatment. Okay. Is it like a pill, like a medication or is it an infusion or it's an infusion. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they it just goes right through the IV. I don't even know. I don't think they use my pore. I think it just goes right into your, your bloodstream. They just use the regular IV and it's, um, they give it to you for five days. There's no major, mm-hmm. major side effects mm-hmm. outside of, um, outside of headaches, but that was mainly from the spinal tap. Mm, got it. Um, so I was there for a ma- about seven, I think I was released on the eighth day. I came home mm. on the eighth day. By the time I was discharged, I needed a walker to walk because wow. during that time, it still takes time for the medication to kick in. So your body okay. is still mm-hmm. essentially like attacking itself. Yeah. Um, I need a, a walker to, to walk and um, 
I had to be carried up the stairs on my wow on the back of my partner mm-hmm. with my dad spotting me in the back to get me up to my apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I would say within a matter of a couple of days, I lost complete functionality in my hands, and mm-hmm. I still oh really gosh, kind of wow. don't have it have it back just yet. You go from being I've always been like this super like independent person, and you right. go from not even being able to change the dial on my remote control or barely lift up my my phone or I can't bathe myself mm-hmm. or I need help getting up from the couch and yeah. um, I can't cook or clean or really help wow. around the house. I can't pick up my son. I can't, like, the, it's just a, a lot hit me so fast and so quickly. Yeah. And with little time really to process, because I'm coming out of my stem cell transplant in March, and then right. I'm mm-hmm. almost bedridden in October. Oh, my gosh. And, um, and so it's been, uh, you know, four or five months now, mm-hmm. um, and I have physical therapy and occupational therapy five mm-hmm. to six times a week. Wow. Um, so I have a physical therapist that focuses on the lower half of my body and helping me to get stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, it was like my first time walking without a walker. Nice. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh, so that's amazing. I'm sure that felt so incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt like Rocky. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, wow. um, and the occupational therapist um, helps me with my upper body. So we're still doing a lot of work to get the strength back in my arms and my hands. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm doing more and more each day. And yeah. um, it has been a journey. It really has. Yeah. You know, I, I always tell my friends, I'm like, okay, God, what lesson are you trying right. to do? <laughs> teach me. Yeah. I'm listening. I'm here. I'm open. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh, Tori. I mean, seriously, yeah. a crazy journey. And I'm so happy you're on your way like to healing and all the things. So do you have to worry about it? Like, is it kind of done after you get that infusion in terms of the autoimmune disease, like continuing? Um, like, what does that kind of look like? Or are you just now working on building your strength back? And so the the treatment is done. And right now, to your point, working on getting my strength back, because it's okay. almost like you have to recondition because the nerves are damaged. You're, it's, it, it is literally mind over matter. You're trying to recondition your, your mind to speak to your nerves and your right. nerves are repairing yeah. itself, but you kind of have to like really focus on connecting, mm-hmm. you know, the synapses between your brain mm-hmm. and your your nerves. Yeah. Um, and so in addition to, to, to that is just, you know, strengthening, making sure I'm getting my muscle mass. I lost a lot of muscle mass, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and really just trying to make sure that I am taking care of my body. Yeah. Um, because it's been through so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how has this impacted your relationship with work? Because it does oh my gosh. like seem like that was something that you really focused on before. Oh my gosh. 
So I'm still currently out on leave, medical leave right now, long-term disability. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that my company has been so supportive. God, that's um, Even from 2019 and yeah. to yeah. now. And wow. I, I was at work for about a month. Before, well, so I went back to work after the stem cell transplant. And a month later, I was like, guys, I got to take leave again. I can't literally... Yeah use my hands. And I was talking to my manager. I was like, I think I have neuropathy, but I'm not able to type. I'm literally mm-hmm. typing like one, one button at a time. Yeah. Cause I, I can't right. really use my, and I said, I, I've got to, I got to take leave again. This is before I went to the hospital. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I'll keep you guys yeah. posted. Um, but they've been super, super supportive. Mm-hmm. I think my, so amazing. I, I think my outlook on work has changed just in general because of my experience, mm-hmm. I no longer want to live to work, mm-hmm. right? It's been very eye-opening about what I was prioritizing before yeah. this happened to me, um, or for me, I'll say, happened for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I really want to be in a place where I'm using my story to help others, mm-hmm. using my message of strength and perseverance to help others. And I, that's one of the reasons why I reached out because I, mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that, you know, even if I'm just helping one person, right. Yeah, of course. That's all that matters mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So using my platform to, to really inspire, motivate, and maybe there's someone that, you know, can relate and they just want, sometimes you feel alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I know that there's been so many times when you just feel, I felt alone in, mm-hmm. in the process. And um, I think my whole mindset around working has has shifted. And, you know, I've, I've always been fortunate to, to have a great career, but now I want to make sure that I'm leaning into my, my purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's powerful. And I think that is a, you know, not to be too silver lining-y, but that is a gift I think that comes with a cancer diagnosis a lot of the times is being able yeah. to zoom out of, you know, the work and the day job and be like, what is, you know, what is, what am I learning from this and how can I help others mm-hmm. do the same? Totally. Yeah. I'm definitely like the silver lining type of girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you do. I was going to say like, you're very like yeah, positive radiant. and like just like radius glowing and like shining. And like, mm-hmm. do you have any advice for people to embody that and like embrace that more, especially during kind of this tough process or journey? Yeah. I will say I heard, um, I heard a sermon from Sarah Jake Roberts. She's a uh, Bishop T.D. Jake's daughter. And she said something that was so powerful. Mm. And she said, you're the woman for the job, mm. right? You're the woman, you're mm. the man for the job for, for all the listeners, right? God is not going to put more on you than you can handle, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes you got to fake it till you make it, actually, yeah. right? Yeah. You may not feel like you have it pulled together. You may not feel like you can get through it and you may not feel like you're ever going to get to the other side, but you will. And Mm -hmm. I think it's about taking it one day at a time, putting one foot in front of the other. And there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. I've had days where I've been in the shower, like sobbing, 
right? Mm-hmm. I had days where I couldn't get out of bed. And it doesn't negate the fact that this is my experience and we were chosen to be a part of this community of patients mm-hmm. and survivors mm-hmm. and that you'll you'll get through it. You're you're the person for the job and yeah. you're get it done and there's there's light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you said um when you were talking about going into the hospital for your transplant the time after you said you know I I thought I was mentally strong enough and I want to like call back to that and call out that like you were like sometimes crying crying and sobbing and walking around the halls that's mental strength. I think we, especially True. societally, have this belief that mental strength means not emoting, not showing our emotions and not feeling them. Or I think it takes so much more strength to be able to be in that place of like, mm-hmm. this fucking sucks and I'm going to let it fucking suck. And once yeah. I do that and I have that cry and I let that out, that's where the silver lining can come. Because I think the more that we try to like just shove down how we're feeling, the longer it last especially when it's shitty yeah so like yeah. you have Very all true. of the mental strength you did you and so you do much. yeah yeah it's it's a lot about embracing the suck yes yeah and I will tell you they will come to my room and they're like do you want to speak to the chaplain I'm like yes 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 where's yeah. the chaplain mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to speak to someone and I'd have them come in my room yeah. and pray together and I need all the resources yeah um, yeah and so it was, um, thank you. Thank you for, for that. Yeah. Because sometimes you don't feel, you don't feel strong. And then, right. you know, people will say, and I'm sure they've said to you guys, you're the strongest person I know. Right. You're so mm-hmm. strong. Yeah. And you're like, I don't want to be strong. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Curl up. Yeah. Right. It's not a, like, it's not a choice. Right. right? We're right. Just, we're doing what we hate. Literally surviving. Literally surviving. <laughs> Literally, yeah. 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 Give me softness. Give me softness. I say that a lot too, like kind of joking, kind of not, where I'm like, I'm all about that soft life. life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like another yeah. year of God giving his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. Like, should I just sign up for the fucking military at this point? Like, I don't know. What is the sign here? Like, I'll go sign up for the Navy if you want. At least I'll be in the water. Like, Let's Jason Bourne this thing. Right. Let's just like, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, we're strong because we have to be because there really isn't, right. isn't another choice. Um, but I also want to call it too, like to your point, another, I think, big piece of strength that people don't realize is recognizing when you need help and asking for it and getting yes, resources. Like, sure. I think that's something too that cancer, for me at least, like forced me into being like, oh, you want to help me? Great. I'll take it. Like, yeah. oh, you want to do something for me? Sure. Drop off food. Like, why not? And really like comes with understanding where you're at to be able to identify what you need and then going as far as asking for it because people want to help. They yeah. really do. I had so many friends send me like Uber Eats, so even mm-hmm. now because I can't do a lot of the, um, I have a CNA a couple days a week that helps me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she'll like prepare my lunch, God bless her, and my breakfast. Mm-hmm. And she's so sweet. Um, and then when my partner comes home, you know, we have a little one, so he's doing most of the, the cleaning. And so when they ask your friends and family, I'm like, if you could help even with like an Uber Eats or mm-hmm. Amazon yeah. with groceries, little little acts like that go a long mm-hmm. way for the caregivers that are listening as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
you know, just small actions really go a long way. Yeah. It does. There's it no, like, difference. there's no gold star at the end of the tunnel at the end of our lives of like, you didn't ask for help. Like you did it alone. Right. Like, no, yeah. it's harder and it makes it worse. Like, do yeah. you know, to that point too, the lady, the nurse, when I was getting the stem cell transplant, I, there would be moments where I would be like in pain and uncomfortable and she, towards like a couple of days in, she said, you know, you can ask, like, that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. You can ask yeah. us for, <laughs> right. there might be something that we can do to help you. And I was just yeah. like, okay, you're right. Like, yeah. I have yeah. a headache. You can probably give me something to help with the headache. Right. Like, yeah. 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 The best part about being in the hospital. I tell people that that are newly diagnosed. I'm like, don't be a hero when it comes to side effects. You are going through the worst time probably of your life. Medicaid yeah. Medicate it. Like, lean in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're not just like sitting on yeah. your couch on a Saturday taking a pain pill. And, you know, if you were, live your life. But, like, yeah. you're going through something horrible. Like, medicate it. Make this as soft on yourself as you can. It's already hard enough. Yeah, it's so true. I like tried to not, especially with like the nausea. Like, I was like, no, I don't want to put more in my body. Right. And then I was like, Fuck this. Like, <laughs> I will take it all. <laughs> I'm taking the composine. Like, give it all. Right. Yeah. Zofran up. Like, let's Don't try to be a hero. Exactly. Don't try to be a hero, people. Mm-hmm. Like, no one cares. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. Well, Tori, we like to ask this to everyone at the end. Like, if you could tell yourself or you could tell, I mean, we we're kind of just talking about it a little bit, but like tell somebody going through cancer, whether your own type or something similar, um, just some advice in the beginning. Like, what would you, what would you tell them? Hang on. It's going to be a wild ride. Just- <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up. Good luck. <laughs> I, w- I will tell them that your experience is your own, mm. right? You're, you know. Love that. Sometimes you get clouded by everyone's experiences and even yeah. listening to, you know, to, to my story, your experience is, is your own. So embrace that um, and lean into it and you're going to be, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Take it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah that's such an important thing to remember. One day at a time and your experiences are your, yeah. is your own. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. so important. One moment at a time, um, honestly. One yes. One step. One second. One minute. One moment. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and Tori, where can people find you if they want to yes. connect and follow? Where's the best place? So you can follow me on Instagram at storytelling. S T O R I T E L L I N G. TikTok underscore storytelling underscore. Uh, and I am going to be working with the, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Georgia um, very, very soon. I'll be doing peer-to-peer support. Um, oh, that's so great. So I'm really, really excited about it. Some advocacy work. I'll be lending my voice to, to secure um, donors and investment to further the oh my research. Gosh, amazing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Those uh, buddies are going to be lucky to have you. You are a great coach, mentor, person. So, so great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. So uh, that's LLS Georgia. If you want to follow them on on Instagram as well, uh, to follow all the great work that they're that they're doing. Um, so stay tuned. I definitely Yay. want to make sure that I'm using my platform to uh, to inspire, and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. hopefully doing the circuit more to connect with with people like you. 
Amazing. Yeah. Thanks, Tori. I mean, you already are. Right. Truly, yeah, you so. are. You absolutely are. So yeah, this was so fun. Yay! Thank you for joining us. Thank yeah, thank you, you so out. much. I'm yeah. so, so happy you came on. So happy. Thank you for having me. You guys are great. You're and so the name welcome. of the podcast is everything. <laughs> thank you. Everything. We can find the silver linings. The truth. Still fucking sucks. But it still fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <sighs> Amazing. Thank you so much, Tori. Thank you. Bye. Bye.